Welcome, Blue Jay fans, to another episode of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. My name is Bryant Ott. I'm joined tonight by Matt DeMarinas, and we would like to welcome our new title sponsor for the 2018-2019 Creighton Blue Jays academic year and athletic season, Script Town Brewery. So Script Town will be sponsoring the Blue Jays Bites podcast all season long. Big shout out to Script Town. Uh, look forward to uh, doing some promotions with them all, all throughout the year, but just wanted to give them a, a really big early plug um, in what is, Matt, our first podcast in uh, quite some time, I think post-NCA uh, tournament early exit for the men's basketball team, post, um, you know, one and done, or I guess, what, win and a, a win and a loss in the in the. NCAA tournament for the women, right? They want a yep. game this year, yeah. Um, but everything's a little foggy. So how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you, sir? Mr. Family Man, how are the kids? How are the kids? Kids are good. Um, yeah, kids are good. Can't complain. Everybody's healthy right now. So um, They're back to school now, so it's probably pretty chaotic for you, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. recording a podcast at 9 o'clock at night is about the first I've been able to think about Creighton Sports since about 9 this morning, so I'm interested to see what I missed. You don't even let people know what time to record. Let them them wonder a little bit. That's true. That's true. They want to know why I'm I'm kind of half whispering. It's because my three-year-old's right (laughs) below us, So, uh, and he's he's the softer sleeper of the two. Uh, yeah, it's been a busy first couple of weeks already on the Hilltop, Matt. I thought tonight, um, obviously we have a big interview that you were able to do. I think this is what, maybe the third year in a row that you've interviewed these two, um, outstanding standout athletes for the Blue Jays. I know. I believe, least, I believe it's four actually, because I think I've done one every year of their careers. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, it might be three years. Right? They're going to pretty much, they'll probably invite you to graduation at this point, right? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I might be there accidentally. Um, there you go. Just save up money. You'll get them something nice after their uh, after their eligibility's been um, exhausted. But yeah, Jaylee Winters, Megan Ballinger, you'll have an interview with them tonight. It's a long one too, um, so we'll let you um, intro that here in a little bit as that gets ready to go. But I thought we'd start. We're going to keep this bad boy to an hour tonight, so I thought we'd go twenty twenty five minutes pretty hard here on the start of the fall sports season. And as we were talking offline before we got going here tonight, you know. For for Creighton fans that think about fall sports, obviously there's all the action down at Morrison Stadium between um, the two soccer programs. There's the uh, you know all of the the nationally ranked volleyball programs matches in and out of Sokol Arena, and um, but really there's more than that. There's there's basketball getting geared up on both uh, you know for both Flans team and Max team. So you've got a lot of you got a lot of irons in the fire. What has you uh, what has you really geeked out today? Ooh, today. Um, well, <laughs> yeah. uh, men's soccer is getting ready for their uh, road trip this weekend. They had a practice afternoon. Um, they're going to play at Grand Canyon, who just beat Wisconsin at home um, in front of, I think, 6,000-plus. So that's going to be a pretty crazy environment to walk it into there. Um, so, yeah, Elmar's a little bit concerned about playing in triple-digit weather with the pace they like to play at. Fatigue might be an issue. Um, in those in, in that environment, plus the the crowd they bring in seems to be pretty pretty daunting. So uh, that's an interesting challenge. And then they'll have to set, head all the way south, um, take on South Florida on Labor Day. So man, they'll get a little bit of an extra day to prepare for that because of Labor Day. But 
that's still an interesting weekend having to go out to Arizona then down to Florida um, for your first road trip of the season. Yeah, that's a big. Yeah. I mean, that's a big trip. I've been thinking in the past when they've done some of those Cali West Coast swings during this weekend. You know, go to play Santa Clara, play Stanford, or um, you know, up Northwest way. But man, that's uh, that's the sign of a, a globe trotting program there, right? Arizona to yeah. South Florida. Yeah, I mean, it was it's two games that Creighton owes. I mean, they they played both those uh, clubs at home last year, so these are the return trips and. Um, yeah, they just piggybacked them together. So that's uh, the challenge they have this week. Um, the men's soccer team is ranked, by the way. So they're back number in the top. Tw- yeah, number, number 20. 20. All is right in the world when the Blue Jays men's soccer team is back in the rankings, right? Doesn't it feel like normal that they should be there all the time? It, it feels weird when they're not, I guess. I mean, my say. seven-year-old son called it out when we went to the Clemson game last weekend. Um, and I told him they were, the Jays were playing 11-ranked uh, Tigers. And he's like, oh, okay, so like, what are the Jays this year? I'm like, eh, uh, tough one, buddy. They're not. And he's like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the first time since James is born, maybe the second time, that they haven't been ranked in the preseason uh, poll that Creighton uses as their as their go-to uh, during the season. Um, you know, yeah, so, so if, thought... if, if little guy's on top of that, then imagine what, <laughs> right. imagine what dad's like because he doesn't, he doesn't, he has an even longer stretch of Creighton being ranked in elite. Yeah, so it was very unusual, I thought. But if we can just jump into the Clemson match here, um, get it. I was pretty impressed. Like I, I, I think I had a lot of question marks going into that match just because, you know, Clemson's a pretty salty club, and ACC soccer doesn't really have drop offs. Um, no, even even when you're, you know, a team kind of uh, that lost some key pieces, the ACC seems to bounce back from that pretty regularly. Like it doesn't take them long. So I, I figured Clemson would be a really big physical test for Creighton to deal with. Um, in the first 10 minutes, I thought Clemson kind of showed that a little bit. They kind of had their way with the, with the match a little bit. Um, and the physicality was apparent. And then came all that stuff we've been hearing in the off season about Creighton's pace of play and the tempo and just the style they want to play and the cohesion that they've built up through all those uh, captain's practices they had the first couple weeks before official practice even started, like all that stuff started to take shape and you could see it. And halfway through through the first half, Clemson was dogging it. And it was like, it it kind of became apparent that all the talk that Creighton was talking in the off season, they were kind of walking that talk. Um, So I was really impressed because that was kind of a litmus test for me um, in terms of just trying to see if all the stuff they were saying in the off season was just like, um, you know, just some like really polished up quotes to kind of get people optimistic, but no, they they kind of you know they kind of proved it a little bit there. That was a big time performance, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I was not privy to those conversations and that that talk, that preseason talk, like you had mentioned. But I mean, I it stuck out to me. I, I felt like the pace of the match was great, especially from you know, the home team, and it, it just seemed like. For somebody like me that doesn't know a lot about the intricacies of college soccer, it was very clear what who the better team was for the majority of that match, right? And I mean, I think that that's that you know in soccer you're gonna get a ton of you're gonna get a ton of shots on goal and and maybe not many of them if if any of them go in, right? Mm-hmm. But you can definitely tell who paced that match on Friday night and who was who was really driving the action i thought it was pretty evident and the other thing that stood out i guess from the weekend as a whole is they beat clemson 
they really dominated the match. I agree with you know your perception of it. It's just you know when you when you dominate shots like that against an opponent that you know that highly regarded, um, that's an eye opener. And then the other one was kind of they go zero zero with uh, UC Davis two day, two nights later, and they were really disappointed in that performance. So even though they had like you said they generated a lot of shots didn't necessarily find the back of the net. That kind of just happens in soccer sometimes. Um, you know, you have 110 minutes to find yeah. one out of 20 to get back there, and it just sometimes it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? You'll, you you kind of just take those as they go throughout the season. Um, but Creighton was disappointed in that performance. The coaching staff was disappointed. The players were disappointed. And I think that's another kind of sign of what their message is in that locker room and on the practice field and all those sorts of things. Um they really did not like the way last season ended. I know that's obvious to say that who likes the way that season ended when you go one and done in your conference tournament and don't make the NCAAs for the second time in 26 years. Yeah. I understand. I understand that leaves a bitter pill, but they kind of, you know, they, they, they made almost a list in their heads about what went wrong and why it went wrong and, and did a lot of things to address those in the offseason. And that's why they showed up a couple weeks before their even supposed to report, the whole team um, was doing captain's practices. And captain's practices, for people that aren't um, familiar with that term, is a player-run practice. No coaches. Um, it's all just the captains on the team, Joel Rydstrand and Mitch Legro, who, if you guys remember, Legro was injured um, at center back last year towards the end of the season. That's why Creighton was giving up goals like it was their job. So um, that, was, that was a big loss. So this offseason – um, but a couple weeks before practice was to start, um, Lagro and Ridesman were running practices themselves, getting all the players on the same page. Um, you know, getting their getting their uh, their stamina right, getting their getting the offense right, um, just kind of making sure everybody's together. And and that's something they've talked about building that depth in the attacking line because they want to play at a fast pace. They want to play on the ground. They don't want to just kick through balls left and right across the field and try to find a lucky goal here and there. Um, they really want to dominate and dictate. Um, so the fact that they dominated Clemson was a good sign of all that stuff being put to fruition. And then the set, and then the other part of it is the fact that they were disappointed with a draw against UC Davis. Um, so a weekend where they don't suffer a loss, they kind of were disappointed a little bit. And I think that's a sign going forward that might be positive for this group as a whole. So let's swing to the other. Um, I mean, before we take a take a look ahead to the 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 weekend. I mean, what every time I every time I hear South Florida, I, I think back to that NCAA tournament match in the snow. Um, yep. And I know that last year we played them too. But um, anything <clears throat> that you're looking for in particular uh, from this weekend for for them um, before we segue into talking about Ross Pauly's team. Um, I'm not necessarily. I don't think South Florida is the one that I'm most curious about. I think Grand Canyon is the one I'm most curious about because that was a team that Creighton uh, that gave Creighton problems at Morrison last year. Um, they're kind of an up and coming group, I think. And the fact that they have a crowd um, like the one that came for the Wisconsin match that that beat a really good Wisconsin team, by the way. So that's not like Creighton's kind of similar to that Wisconsin team, I think, in terms of. Uh, what both are capable of. So I'm really curious about that match. I think that's maybe a bigger test, even though South Florida, like you said, does have a little bit of history behind them. Um, I think they have a new coach this year uh, who came over from Florida Gulf Coast. So they're kind of 
in some type type of transitional phase, I would think, mm-hmm. um, at least in, in with a new system, maybe. Um, so I'm more curious. The one that stands out to me is the Grand Canyon one, just because that's going to be a big time road environment for Creighton to play in front of, and against a team that's already kind of proven themselves this year with a big win over Wisconsin. So um, that that one kind of intrigues me a little bit more. I understand what you're saying about South Florida, but I'm really curious about Grand Canyon. No, because... I am too. I I'm just I'm curious about that entire school's athletic department situation. I mean, I, I remember last year tuning into a, you know, Grand Canyon men's basketball game. It was either during championship week or maybe like in the week leading up to it. I mean, that place was rocking. And, yeah. You know, I know that I think what, like Dan Marley is the one that is he their co- Anyway. Yeah, he's their he's head coach. He's their head coach. And it looked like a really fun pace to their play on the on the basketball floor. Um, I don't know, and I just I just feel like for whatever reason I've I've just never heard about Grand Canyon in athletics up until a year or two ago, and now all of a sudden not only are they getting in the mix, but they're doing extremely well it seems. And um, so yeah, I'm I'm intrigued too. I think that's interesting. Yep. So that should be that should be fun. Everybody's in business this weekend, though. Everybody's on the road, like you said. So yeah, women's soccer, women's soccer at Eastern Michigan, and then South Dakota State. Um, they finally got off the schneid against UNO, which I guess they kind of always do against UNO. But Damn. Don't let Tim <laughs> Walter hear that. <laughs> I mean, I'm 1-0. Uh, speak for itself, don't it? That's the record. So. Uh, yeah, but just know, quick just quick plug just stuff. quick plug before we get into Polly's team. But that when you talk about all these programs, all the Creighton um, fall sports programs being on the road this weekend, um, that Grand Canyon match will be on uh, GrandCanyonU.tv, which apparently is a YouTube channel watch that for free so that'll be pretty great um and and creighton fans uh at least locally here in omaha that's a nine o'clock central time uh first kick so um so that'll be good people can tune into that because west coast because hashtag west coast all right now to Polly's team okay yeah so uh I, i always get caught up thinking that this team's like ready to break through and then they're just, I, I, I get caught up maybe overhyping them. So I, I was trying to be careful with that, but I thought they were, I thought they looked pretty good in the preseason. I thought, you know, there was a clear um, effort to, you know, emphasize team speed and just to get things moving faster as a whole um, with the whole unit. And, uh, you know, they, they added some really good pieces. I thought Ansley Atkinson is a true freshman. She's kind of playing that 10, um, in the midfield, and I thought she was, uh, you know, has a chance to be an impact player. Um, and then Jalen Bosak looks really good in the back, of course, as always. And Taryn Jacobowski looks really good on the wing um, in that attacking line. And then, you know, Joelle Love, a transfer, she's a sophomore transfer from Pitt, was um, um, Jacobowski's counter on the other side. So it looked like they had some dynamic pieces up front, and it kind of like all seemed to come together. And I thought they performed really well in the preseason. They they drew with Drake at home and then kind of had a PK session after that, and they won the PK session. So, you know, however you want to say that result went, um, draw or win in PKs, whatever, it still was a result. And then uh, they went to Northern Illinois and won and then played Missouri Western State uh, D2 team and beat them um, pretty handily. So, uh, you know, I kind of felt like Creighton was moving in the right direction, especially offensively because they were opening things up a little bit more. Um, there wasn't as much pressure on the back line. Um, 
and they also have a retro freshman goalkeeper this year because Mackenzie Miola, who has uh, uh, decided to leave the team and focus on academics, um, so they've they've been, you know, in a transition there. So there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure on the back line now because they have to kind of protect a freshman freshman goalkeeper, and um, it seemed like the team was looking to open things up a little bit, be more dynamic in the attacking side of the field. So all that going in, and then you know they get Iowa, and Iowa was a team like. I felt was pretty good. They had a good season last year and they beat a ranked Rutgers team in that campaign and then brought a lot of players back from that season, including Natalie Winters, who's a U20, a US U20 kid. So she's really, really talented kid, obviously. Um, and so that two nothing match wasn't like, it felt like that was a back and forth match and, you know, Winters got a PK um, to start the second half and then got, and then Creighton got, or Iowa, excuse me, got another goal off of a deflection. So, it wasn't like Creighton got rolled over. You know, they played pretty well against a team in Iowa that I think is going to be pretty good. Um, so that was encouraging. And then, so when I'm evaluating Air Force, I feel like that was a team that Creighton could have stole a road win away from just because they've struggled a little bit historically recently. And it didn't seem like they, I don't know, had anything dynamic on paper that really jumped out at you in terms of some, you know, U20 or U19 talent and things like that. They just kind of were what they were. So I, I was really surprised by the 3 nothing result that Creighton got out of that match because it didn't seem like that was something that I thought maybe was in the cards. If they were going to lose, I felt like it would be closer. And I and I actually thought they had a chance to win that match. So that was surprising. Um, then they come and beat UNO. Um, and they've dominated that rivalry. It's, they, they have won 9 out of the 10 matches uh, uh, all time. So And they haven't lost since 2002. So maybe that just came right at the right time. But it was still impressive to see them win in that environment because, you know, UNO turns out a hostile, pretty hostile crowd whenever Creighton's involved. Um, they had their pet band there and everything, and the Vuvuzelas were going, <laughs> unfortunately, for my ears. Um, right. So, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a hectic environment for sure and a hostile one for Creighton to play in, but they got the job done. Um, Aline Reinkober is a freshman uh, midfielder from Germany, and she's, she's really dangerous when she gets uh, – anywhere near that box and she you know made a really really um impressive left-footed strike to score the lone goal of that match and get Creighton a win so um they're one two and oh now um heading to eastern Michigan on Friday um and then South Dakota State on Sunday so two more matches that I think you know are kind of can go either way but I, I you know I, I think this is getting with as much road with as many road matches as they play they kind of need to steal some of them um, in order to feel good about, yeah, um, in order to feel good about themselves, because when they start playing home matches, it's going to be Big East play. So that's kind of a new season at that point. So they kind of have to build whatever confidence they're going to get into that, kind of on the road. That's just the way it shakes out this year. So we'll see how they do this weekend. Yeah, it's pretty crazy how how much they're on the road to start here, and then yeah, you turn the you turn the calendar about mid September. I know they get they'll, they'll be a part of Socktoberfest, which you know is always a great time. But then mm-hmm. you know they'll they'll go on the road to UMKC after that. Um, but then yeah, starting Friday, September fourteenth, they get Oklahoma State at Morrison, and then they only have one more road game um, in in the middle of uh, a nice run of I guess it'd be five total matches of their next six being at Morrison. So right. Um, and I did read your your piece recapping the UNO match, and you talked about. Uh, I, I thought the quote stood out from Polly about 
um, you know, the special left foot. Just talk us through what you've seen from, um, you know, the freshmen, the newcomers for Ross Pauley's club and, and why you do get, um, why you do try to find yourself walking that balance between overhyping a team. Because it, it does feel like this year um, – with the number of them under the belt now that Ross has had in the program and bringing in the types of players he wants to have on campus, kind of what, what the perception is with the newcomers this year and what you've seen so far. The, the, I think the thing that stands out this year is that there's newcomers in attacking roles, which has been different. I guess last year, the, the impact newcomers the last couple of years were on the defensive side. So he figured that was going to help because, excuse me, because that's, that's one of the things Ross fo- or Coach Pauly focused on um, coming into you know this this job was trying to get Creighton uh, to be a really salty defensive group. You know, make sure they maintain their shape and um, just a difficult group to score on. And I think last year they were so they took a step forward in in terms of being really good defensively. And then you were just kind of wondering where that punch is coming from uh, because they've really lacked it since Lauren Sullivan graduated. And and obviously she's one of the greatest uh, women soccer players in Creighton history. I think. Yeah. Um, just how dynamic she was. You could. She's a kid. When I talk about just playing through to her, um, you know, just kicking them out of your own end and letting her create, she could do that. So that was a little bit different of a team. The two years that she was with Ross Pauly, uh, they could just find Lauren Sullivan and she could just, you know, she could beat two defenders on her own and the keeper at the same time. Like she was just that dynamic. They lacked that after she graduated, and that's not easy to replace because she was, like I said, as good as she was. So the, it had to be more cohesive, um, and it felt like they're adding that. Like you all love the transfer from Pitt. I felt was you know is a pretty dynamic player. Um, Taryn Jacobowski got rave reviews this summer, um, playing some some summer soccer, which is uh, not something that all the women get to do. Um, so the fact that she did and then that she performed really well, um, seemed like she was ready for a breakout season. Um, and then the newcomer. So I talked about Ansley Atkinson uh, and the role she is playing now to link the defense to the offense. Um, she looks really good on the ball, a very technical player, um, a true freshman. And then Aline Reinkober is another true freshman from Germany. And, and her left foot actually was on display first against, I believe, Drake, if I'm not mistaken, either that or Missouri Western State, but she had a set piece um, after Love. So after Love actually drew a foul just outside the box um, because she beat her defender and got tripped up. So it was a combination of Love being dynamic and creating a uh, set piece for Creighton, and then Ryan Kober lined up a left foot and just bent it inside the near post for an, a really impressive goal. So, And I asked Ross Pauley about her left foot after that because – um, you know, I was just curious because it looked really dynamic. I mean, it looked really powerful and accurate. So he's a big fan of it, obviously. He sees it every day in training, um, and he thinks she's really dangerous with it. And she showed it off again against UNO. And actually, the funny thing about her left foot is that she almost scored with her right hmm. from distance against Iowa. So she actually do, can do it from both. Um, but she's a very dangerous player. And I think once she gets more comfortable, maybe at the D1 level, uh, she could possibly be an impact player for Creighton. And, you know, the goal against UNO was created by Atkinson finding Ryan Kober for the, for the shot. So those two were, again, um, in the middle of, 
you know, what was Creighton's first goal of the season, I guess, but they were, they were, you know, big time playmakers in that match. And I feel like that's their potential going forward. Um, the other name to watch though is Morgan Zarka. Uh, she's a freshman. She's playing, um, I think right back. She started her first match against UNO defensively in that back line. And I thought she was one of the top two or three players in the match for anybody, either side. Um, and Ross Pauly is really excited about her potential. So that's another youngster back there playing with Jalen Bosak, who, you know, you figure if you got two impact players in the defense and two in the top and then two in the middle, you kind of have yourself a little dangerous group here, but um, they just kind of put it all together. There's still, still a work in progress, but there's, you can see the glimpses of the potential is kind of what always catches my eye. And, um, you know, I'm not a soccer expert by any means, but I kind of feel like I can, spot impact when when i see it on the pitch and it feels like there's there's a little there's little bits of it you know that's starting to show itself um in this women's soccer program so we'll see going forward all right well let's segue to a women's program on campus that we know and uh is is right in the mix for um ncaa tournament births and beyond no you can you can go for them Matt. you can say it go ahead (laughs) (laughs) oh matt I we didn't really talk. I mean, how does I know you can't root for programs, right? You get to see yeah. the players all the time, so you can root for them to do well. Just how upsetting was it that they didn't advance? We're talking about the great volleyball program for those of you uh, just uh, catching up. But just oh, how, you lost the Michigan State loss last year. Yeah. Um, I think the I think the team was definitely upset about that. Um. I mean you. I mean, I, I, you, I, you I, had your heart set on them playing in the Final Four in Kansas City, as did a lot of people. That I mean, would have been for sure, no doubt. Um, yeah. Here's the thing. The th- I just – that team was really good. That team was ready to roll. That team was ready for Kansas City in September. And that's kind of – that's kind of not what – Yeah. That's kind of how Kirsten Bernthal Booth has built that thing. It's not like that was a bad thing because they they beat Kansas, they beat Washington on the road. Sure, I mean they were rapping. I mean they would have beaten Nebraska had Nebraska had the, you know, the courage to play them. Damn, um, yeah. I mean they would have. They were a better. They were Nebraska won the title. I understand, but they were a better team than Nebraska in September. So that would have gone sure. way. It just would have. I'm, it's it's not. I'm not stating anything that's shocking here. There's a reason they didn't play last year, and it's not because of Creighton. Let me just say that. So, uh, Tim Walters is going to come get Tim Walters is going to come get you. <laughs> All I'm saying is Creighton had an open day and it stayed open when the season started. And I'm and there and they yeah. wonder why why Nebraska played UCLA twice instead of UCLA once and Creighton once. That's Got all it. I'm saying. Got it. So anyway, that team was kind of ready to rock in September. Um, there wasn't much of a trajectory of improvement. You know what I mean? Like they were just who they were throughout. And you know, once you're once you're wearing and tear and your injuries start kicking in towards sure. the end of the season, you're a lesser version of what you were at the start of it. You know what I mean? So they knocked off all the top teams that they did right away. And yeah, and they got the host. And, you know, Michigan State was a really good team. I mean, they just – they kind of matched up really well with Creighton because they could serve really well, um, they can pass really well, and they've got really dynamic outside. So that's kind of – it was a really good match, just Michigan State – was just a little bit better that night. So that's kind of how it rolled. Um, I think, you know, obviously they were disappointed with how that went because they didn't just want to host. They felt like they had an opportunity to get to Kansas City, um, you know, based on the season before the momentum that they were carrying in. Uh, it just didn't work out that way. 
I think this year it's more of what we've seen in the past. I don't think that this team is as good in September as they're going to be in November and December. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of young pieces that are, you know, being plugged in here left and right. Um, what I will say is that there has not been a more talented team um, that Kirsten Bernthal Booth and Angie Oxley Barons have coached and they're, you know, every year together at Creighton. So that's one thing working in their favor is they have a lot of talent to work with, um, a lot of talent to develop throughout this season. And the the good thing about it, I guess, is it's not necessarily a young team. So it's got a lot of young talent that can maybe uh, carry it to a different level, um, you know, into that top top, top five, top four um, national title picture type of deal. But you still have Jaylee Winters. You still have Taryn Cloth. Uh, two senior All-American outside hitters um, that are as good on their best days as anyone in the country. And then you've got experience in the back row with Alexa Rumeliotis, um, Sam Bonet, Brittany Witt, who's just a defensive stalwart, um, Megan Ballinger. I mean, you have like a lot of experience, Megan Ballinger. Um, so you have, you have a lot of experience that can kind of, that is trying to find its way with a new setter um, in Madeline Cole and some new, talented pieces in, you know, freshman Kari Zumok and Annika Welty and Jayla Zimmerman. Um, a new update for the people that maybe didn't see or don't follow on Twitter is that Keely Davis, one of those, is one of those really stud freshmen. Um, They're going to redshirt her, right? Yeah. she was. I thought she was really good in the scrimmage. She has a good serve. She has a powerful swing. Um, she's really talented. But, yeah, just there's just too much talent in that gym and not enough spots for it to play. So, yeah, she's going to redshirt this year and uh, take that year of development behind, um, behind behind Cloth and Winters, and um, you know be ready to take over once they once they graduate. So uh, that's the one thing that you don't have to expect to see. But then again, <laughs> I, I'll stop myself even then because Alexa Romeliotis was supposed to redshirt last year, and they pulled her redshirt because they thought she could make an impact. So things change, injuries happen. Um, I wouldn't write off the season for Davis until it's over, but. Uh, the plan right now is to redshirt her, so that's the update from that. But there's a lot of talent in that gym. Um, someone asked me if they thought, if I thought that Creighton had enough talent to beat Nebraska this year, and and I said I think they have enough talent to sweep Nebraska. It's all about just putting it all together on that night. You know what I mean? Sure. But I think they're, I think they're, I think they're good enough to beat anybody in the country, talent wise. Um, they just got to kind of build it up and put it together because. While they they played some interesting matches out in L.A. Um, with, I mean, Kentucky match they played horribly and won in five, which showed their kind of which showed their grit and their toughness and kind of their their ability to overcome their own adversity, their own mistakes. Um, the Northern Iowa one was a tough draw. I, I know I'm. It sounds like I make excuses when I say it, but they played a five setter with Kentucky that went. 22-20 in the fifth, which is the longest fifth set in Creighton program history. And then on top of that, they played Northern Iowa three and a half hours later. And Northern Iowa didn't have another match that day. They only all, all Northern Iowa did was sit around and watch Creighton play Kentucky and scout them, and then, and then they played Creighton. So Creighton was unprepared for Northern Iowa because you and I didn't play a match. And then you and I was ready for Creighton because they watched Creighton for five sets. Right. Um, and then, yeah, then you add in the, the physical toll that the five setter took, and I kind of didn't expect. I did not expect them to beat Northern Iowa. So no, I mean you got you texted. I mean you texted a number of us after the Kentucky match, just saying pretty much the same thing. 
Uh, yeah. You you kind of saw that coming, so um, it wasn't a shock to me, I guess, because I just you know live vicariously volleyball wise through you and your knowledge yeah. about this program. Um, but take me into you know take me into the Trojan Invitational on that last night, Saturday night, mm-hmm. a five setter against USC. You lose it, but I mean, what are the key takeaways? You're, you're heading out of town after that. Um, you know what? You watched that match. What What did you see? What did you like? What did you not like? And where do you has Where do you think that has them? You know, headed down to Dallas this weekend. Well, I thought it was their best match of the weekend, okay. which which is interesting to say that because they lost it. So you figure, well, they beat Kentucky, lost another Iowa, and lost the USC. I, I just thought they played. They did more Creighton volleyball type things against USC, and and that match could have gone either way. So, you know, I think USC has legit talent for sure. The well, the question mark I had for them was, you know, they have a new coaching staff now this year after um, they kind of shocked everybody in the volleyball world by firing uh, Mick Haley, who has won national titles at two different programs, including USC. So um, that was kind of abrupt. But they've decided to go in a different direction. So I was curious because they ran a 6-2 fast tempo system last year, which is um, two setters on the floor, and the tempo is just – they were one of the fastest teams in the country, and that gives Creighton issues. So I was you know, I was curious to see how they handled that um, or what USC was even going to run. So I looked at the more random, more traditional 5-1, um, but still they have killer talent. I mean, Kalia Lanier is a first-team All-American outside hitter. Uh, she plays really good defensive or uh, good defense. Um, you know, she's kind of a six rotation stud like JD Winters is, um, just a little bit more with a little bit more accolades, I guess, because Jaylee's a routine snub in the Big East for some reason. So, <laughs> um, different story for a different night. But uh, yeah, she's a stud, and uh, you know, USC was a really good. I think it was a really good challenge for Creighton. Um, so for them to kind of go blow for blow, if if it, which is how it turned out. Um, and they went extras again. Like it was a five setter, but it also went extras in that fifth set. You know, it was eighteen sixteen, which is, you know, you played a fifteen, win by two type of deal. So that it went extra a little bit longer. So Creighton had a grueling weekend. Yeah. Um, but I still thought that USC match was 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 their best performance of the weekend, and and that kind of segues is you know into the interview that I uh, did with Jaylee and Megan um, because. Those are two veterans on this team. So they're kind of over the whole moral victory thing. You know what I mean? They're kind of over the whole play well against a ranked team. Sure. Um, and then take the positives out of the loss. They expect to beat everybody they face. Like, that's just – that's their DNA at this point because they have beaten top ten teams before um, in five setters, on the road, um, in tough environments, winner take all, like in skill tournaments. They've done all that stuff already. So there's not any more – good feeling out of playing well against USC. They are disappointed they lost. That's the bottom line. So that's the tough dynamic that they had to take with them because they do have a young group around them, like I said. Um, And and going one and two was disappointing to them, even though they played better as the weekend went on. So there's things to build off of, and one and two out in L.A. in that tournament with what turned out to be three top 20 teams after the end of the week – was not a disappointing result when you look at it all, all together. They got better, but one and two is still one win, two losses. So yeah. you know, just that's that's kind of how they they took it. They didn't like the way that weekend went. So 
Well, let's jump right into that interview. That is a good segue. This is Matt Marina speaking with Creighton Volleyball Standouts. Megan Ballinger and Jaylee Winters here on the Blue Jays Bites podcast sponsored by Script Town Brewery. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Matt DeMarinas. Thanks for tuning in, as always, um, to another White and Blue Review podcast. I'm sitting here once again because it's fall sports season, so it's time to talk some volleyball with uh, the Ankeny sisters, Jaylee Winters and Megan Ballinger. Year four for both of you, although Megan's technically um, a junior athletically. Uh, she's a senior academically, so this is technically the senior podcast for J.D. Winters and Megan Ballinger. Um, uh, J.D. Megan, thanks for joining me again. You aren't sick of these yet, so you haven't said no. <laughs> or have you, maybe you have said no and Rob just made you do it. No, we love it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> how's the how's the offseason going so far? How's the offseason treat you? Uh, your summer over overseas this time with the team. How was that? Yep, Europe was so much fun with the team, um, especially we had seven new players. So getting to know everyone off the court was a lot of fun. How that was awesome. I mean, just being abroad, I think a lot of us, it was the first time. So that was really cool to experience together. Was it tough to come back? Was it like, okay, guys, I have to go back to Nebraska now? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, I mean, there's something about being home that's just really nice. I agree. So. That's a good Midwestern answer yeah, right there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree with that. Um, so, yeah, we got a litany of topics here, obviously. Just want to get your thoughts on... Um, Jaylee's already cheating. I'm like trying to figure out the no. answers. Um, litany of topics here because obviously this has been an interesting preseason, but it's also an interesting season for you guys in terms of um, Megan has a choice at the end of the season about whether what she wants to do, if she wants to come back, and things like that. Jaylee, obviously, this is your last go around, so this is a, a really big year, but an interesting year. I'm sure one that you're excited for. So um, I'm sure the fans are interested to hear your thoughts on what will be the 2018 season, so if I just want to get started by talking about the preseason a little bit. One scrimmage, but you know, volleyball is kind of new with letting you guys kind of scrimmage um, some teams and have an exhibition mm-hmm. match to kind of get loose. Um, what did you think about both the um, Interstellar scrimmage and uh, the K-State exhibition in front of the fans? How do you think it went? Really good for both of them. Um, it's just a good chance for us to get our nerves out of our system before we start playing games that actually count. Yeah. So especially against Do you have K-State. nerves even at this stage? I mean, a little bit, Just like yeah. just to get it's the first game just, jitters out yeah, of there. Yeah, it's exciting, yeah. you know, to be back on the court. I mean, I just, I worry about my teammates a lot more than myself and just making sure everyone else is ready to go, so, yeah. What did you think? Um, I thought it was good. I mean, we only had three days of practice before our blue-white scrimmage, so that was interesting. It was kind of fresh this year. There was not much time to prepare, really. And then K-State, I thought, was a good, a good showing everyone. I mean, with seven new people we had. Obviously, people kind of all over the place, nervous, but just had never played even in our building. So that was kind of nice just to get that, like, first trial run, I guess, before we actually have our season opener here. Now, there probably wasn't a lot of scheming going on for K-State. Kind of just wanted to just get some repetition going on for, like you said, all the newcomers you guys are trying to integrate. Um, Given how, I guess, maybe disorganized it might have been from a game plan standpoint, how did you – how did you take away the performance considering, you know, you guys essentially swept them mm-hmm. um, before the bonus fourth set and, you know, it turns out they were a pretty good squad when mm-hmm. swept Hawaii out there. That's not easy to yeah. do, but um, I guess what did you think about the performance as a whole, um, specifically the performances of the, you know, the younger kids in your system considering there wasn't a lot of organization going on? Yeah, a lot of the younger people stepped up. Um, both our subjects played really well, and Kari obviously stepped up because she wanted to be their sister. She had that big game looking mm-hmm. around. Yeah. yeah, she was super pumped for that game. That was the most 
Um, that was the biggest game of the season for her and her new account. She got bragging rights. No family. That's oh, right. Good. The yeah. one and only chance she'll get, maybe. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Make it count. But it gave us a lot of confidence coming out of that game with the sweep. So. What did you take away from maybe conversations with the newcomers after that match? Just, um, obviously, setter's an important one, and with the hitters trying to build that chemistry. Uh, what were some of the conversations like after that match? And maybe what you guys learned about what works and maybe what needs to be um, worked on going forward? Or how did you think the whole thing kind of came together that night? A long time ago, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah with your memory, it's probably going to be tough yeah. to answer that type of question. <laughs> It just seems like, you, yeah, it just seems like Madeline, I mean, it seems like she built, you know, a good rapport with Taryn, yeah. with Jaylee, um, set the middles a little bit that gave, I think the middles had a pretty easy night whenever she got, whenever she set them and got terminated. Um, do you feel like there's, there's good chemistry that's been built there through the work that she's had? Because she's kind of a late, a late entry into the program, yeah. given how late she got here. Yeah, she was um, new this summer, so that was kind of interesting just getting her integrated um, with every all the other new freshmen. I think she kind of felt like a freshman at times just because everything was new to her also. Mm-hmm. Um, but more than anything, I think it was just like telling them like what you're working on in practice and you're being rewarded for it, like you're seeing improvements. I think more than anything, and like for her, I think that's great that she finally has that connection with hitters that it's like, okay, it's working. Like this is all the hard work I'm put in over preseason and these past two weeks, it was, you know, it was rewarded and it shows that it's working out. What was the hardest part of the, about the preseason for veterans at Q2? You obviously have a long summer, so you play volleyball overseas, which is unusual. You're probably not usually playing at that stage of the year. Um, and then you obviously just get through this fall and the camp and everything. What, what's the preseason like for, for four-year players? I mean, you have that ish to just say, okay, just give me someone that, Give me someone that's ranked. Give me someone that's good. Give me someone that counts. Like, let me just let me play somebody I don't know. Like, all that. But then there's still the part of the process where you have to build it up to so everything works when you guys get on the yeah, court. Yeah, it's weird to start over every single year because you want to just start off where you left off yeah. last season. But there's a learning curve for everyone, and um, even for like being a senior, you still have to learn how to play with all these new people. So you do have to take a step back and just you know enjoy the process, as they say. <laughs> Do you enjoy the process? I do enjoy you the process. You wish the matches counted all the time, though, I don't do. you? Yeah. I mean, when we win, I wish they counted. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah. What's it like uh, this year's, I guess, year three? or year, I mean, it's year four for you guys, but it's, I think it's your third different setter that you've had. Um, started out with Maggie, mm-hmm. then Lydia, mm-hmm. and now Madeline and Megan. Um, what's, what's it like for a hitter to have to adjust to essentially a new quarterback, you know, the new way they set the ball and all that type of stuff. I know you guys, you know, have a system, um, but, I mean, I'm sure it's different for, for each player, the way they execute the game plan and things like that. What, what's, what's the challenge for a hitter having to adjust a new, set, new, a new setter? Um, as an outside, it's really – it's not as difficult as being a middle because you just basically, like, just throw a ball outside really high. See, and all see ball hit. Yeah, yeah like, see you just have a lot more time on the outside to get there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean – I'm always the one that's just like, hey, just send me the ball, figure it out. I don't really care. Really? But being a middle, it's probably more of a difference there. Yeah. Um, I would say just like the height difference, even like Lydia and Maggie were like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, so the ball, mm-hmm. when it's coming that fast at you from higher up, I think it's easier to see. So having to kind of adjust, just a different ball, you have to wait a little bit different and see the ball a little bit differently, I think, especially with like quick sets and stuff like that. But How long does it take to get the timing? To where you like it, to where you're comfortable. Because I mean, in the match, you probably don't want to have to have that 
hesitation in your mind about what you're gonna have to mm -hmm. do, right? I mean, you kind of just want to go off muscle memory, I imagine. Yeah, you gotta try. Yeah, I think it's just, I mean, we keep working with all of our middles on being up, just being up early, and I think that's the thing, like, you just have to trust them. You're going to be in the air, and they're hopefully going to put it in your, you really? put it in, on your hands. So there is a bit of, like, it has to, like, meeting at two points type of deal, it's, or meeting at one point, two different, two different. Yeah, for sure, and, I mean, I just like to run fast all the time, so for me, I'm just like, all right, just shoot me the ball, like, just shoot it at me, and I'll hit it, so, I mean, from that stance, it's just, like, basically trusting the setter, I'm like, I'll be open to you, just set it to me. Yeah. Um, with the long summer, I'm curious what what you've learned throughout your careers about maintaining. Because um, like I said, I tell people all the time, like there is no more off season anymore. Like I joke about it as a as a medium at because there's always something to cover. But for 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 the athletes, it's it's grueling. You 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 know when when the season's not going on, you're working out for the next season and trying to build strength, speed, stamina, all this all the type of things you want to improve on. How, what have you learned about maintaining your your body so they're healthy for when the season starts and that you know you're not battling injuries during the most important part of the season I guess for something me, that you've obviously dealt with <laughs> yeah it's easier just staying on the hall summer really? because the facilities are here you can work out with your strength coach every day um, so I mean I know when I go home it feels like vacation a little bit really? so you don't work out as much you know you eat much food that you shouldn't be eating so um just staying here and staying focused is the way to go really mm -hmm. have you done that every summer of your career my freshman year i think i went home for like a month and if i could go back i wouldn't do it again really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah now i go home for like two days at a time usually yeah. well because trey's eating like an offensive lineman so yeah. that's that's probably not good for <laughs> it's not right, what i need to be around right? <laughs> that's okay megan what, what 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 sorts of tricks have you learned as a veteran now in, in terms of just maintaining um just you know so you're so you're ready to go when when it's time to actually play a match yeah i mean i think it's definitely easier to understand once you've like been through a season and let's say you get disappointed at the end of the season with how we end i think it's easier to be motivated in the spring at some i mean in some respects it is because you know what you're working for but mm -hmm. i mean for me like i like to cook and like eat healthy so that part's pretty easy but like Jaylee said I mean we're both here like during the summers we've spent most of our last two summers at least like here in Omaha besides maybe a weekend or two somewhere else um, so it's just it's easier with like the scheduling I think it's just you're more focused when you're here you have the facilities you go lift go to work do school if you need to so it's just more structured I think yeah and I love the structure like even though it's not a normal summer for most people it's so much fun like I love the organization and there's less class and yeah. we have more time to cook for ourselves um, so we're just adulting. Awesome. Yeah. Does it feel like you're? Does it feel like you're professionals at your craft and in, in, in yeah, that in aspect? Because there really is no everything you do on a daily basis is preparing you for, you yeah. know, this when the lights are on. Essentially, yeah, it's, right? it's like every. I went to bed every night this summer at probably ten thirty at the very latest. Usually it was like ten, and every time I'm deciding what to eat, I'm focusing on mm -hmm. how I'm going to be playing in August and December. So, yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's easy. It's Fine. nice to have each other or other people around us too that like to do that same thing. That have the same so mentality, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of people here have that in general. So, so you're a foodie now. So did you come up <laughs> with your own plan of how to um, just create, I guess, the peak athletic? You know what I mean? Like you got to know what you're putting. <laughs> oh, you're putting gosh. I've I've heard athletes say putting it, it's very important to think about what you're putting in your body because that's how what your that's your fuel essentially. Like yeah. your body is a mm -hmm. temple essentially with that. Like. I've heard, you know, that it's very important to, to be careful about what you're putting in there because that's the stuff you need for energy. So, like, 
did you have conversations with the trainers or did you just kind of come up with like see how other professional athletes did it or just how did you come up with the what you um, feel like is a comfortable ideal plan for just maintaining the you know the athletic the athletic ability energy all that yeah. stuff that you need to create to go through all that grind because like we're like I'm saying here you guys don't have an off season it has yeah. to be all the um, time. I mean I just like like I like to do my own research like just watching like different nutritionists or like food bloggers or like healthy lifestyle type people. Yeah. So but I've talked to like our nutritionists that we have here at school too that we have access to. So um, for me it's like more fun I think I just like to like I'll spend my time on Instagram like looking at like recipes rather than like my friends like posts mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes and just watching like what they do and stuff like that. So I guess I mean I feel like I have a pretty good balance of like what's good like carbs fat protein wise for like when we need if we have a hard practice let's say we need to eat a lot more carbs the night before if we have you know three days we need to eat more so I mean that kind of thing I just like feel it out I guess how do you how how did you guys feel coming into the preseason compared to um maybe some of those freshmen that are coming in just you know kind of trying to learn everything at once um do you have you have you figured out a comfortable a comfortable way to do it you know just all right, well, it's day one of practice, but I'm ready for the two days, which you guys go through for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, just the grind of it all, I guess, to get yourself ready for that first match. Do you feel like you're you're confident in the system you guys have, you know, chosen for being ready for all of that? Yeah, I mean, when you've done it three years prior, you know what you're you know exactly where you're getting into. So, just that added edge, I guess, of knowing exactly what to expect. It's mm-hmm. definitely. I mean, maybe a little scary coming in freshman year, not knowing what preseason is like. Um, but the way Kirsten sets it up is she does it really well. What did you, what did you notice about the freshmen? Um, did they ask for advice on how to get through it or tips on how you guys did it because you've had success at this level and um, obviously there's a blueprint there in front of them if they choose to, you know, seek out that information. Did you? Notice that they were receptive to the way it's been done for the last few years, um, with with you guys kind of being the class that almost raised. I mean, you look around the arena. That's there's you know your accomplishments are pretty much all over the wall at this point. Um, it's not <laughs> it's not something that is like hard to seek out. Did you notice the freshmen were were interested to figure out how that starts once they get here? Mm. Not as much. They will have to though. They'll figure it out. They kind of. I mean, really, the only advice was like, sleep a lot, sleep as much <laughs> yeah. as you can. That's really all you can do. I mean, there's as really much no rest as you can find. To it. Yeah. yeah. So they're doing well, though. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they're fine. It's just, I mean, the balancing your time thing, which is new for, I mean, everyone yeah. mm-hmm. that does this. So it's like, eat healthy, sleep a lot, and try to balance I don't your think time. They realize how cool our class is, though. Maybe they'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> they'll figure it out by the time we're gone. They'll be like, oh, yeah, they'll be like, awesome. oh, they were really cool. They'll be cool enough <laughs> to hang out. They'll be like, you didn't like us when you were here, but. <laughs> here they're we not go. just those old lady seniors that were all. That's so funny. No, they love us. Um, <laughs> we think. <laughs> what, what was what, what was the preseason like? Because there was something very interesting. Like you know, you're watching the, all these position battles going on, and you realize, oh, like they're supposed to be. This is one team here, but they're kind of all battling to earn spots. So there's there's that whole deal of like you're all in it for one goal, but during the preseason, you're also trying to like create a pecking order. You know what I mean? In terms of who gets the first shot at, you know, once the match starts. What did you notice about how the how everybody embraced that dynamic um, 
the point where it didn't, you know, become a negative thing, I guess. Yeah, that was actually something we talked about with Coach Dunning when he was here. Um, everyone is selfish, and that's just something you have to handle. Even if you want to say you're doing it all for your team, there's a part of you that plays volleyball for yourself, and that's yeah. totally fine. That's totally normal. If you're you goal, do it because so you love Goal-oriented it. stuff, it's yeah. hard to yeah. avoid it. Yeah. So just making sure you're still putting the team before yourself is something that we talk about a lot and just embracing roles and knowing that your time will come even if it's not this year or this game. Mm -hmm. So everyone's handling it really well. It's been awesome to watch. Yeah, I think everyone's handled it well. And, like, I mean, even in the few, few uh, first weeks of preseason, like, you never know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? The lineup is changed around so much, even based sometimes mm -hmm. on who we play and what we need. Yeah, like we yeah. need more defense. We need more offense in the back row. So it's just, I think, understanding that and – I think everyone's done a really good job of that. Mm -hmm. What's the what's the thing that you guys have to deal with um, in terms of the message you receive from the coaches? Because I'm sure you've heard a lot of the things before. So you know, it's in year four. I imagine some of it's like, yeah, I know that. In one year after the other, I know mm -hmm. this is a new type of deal. How do you how do you battle that complacency um, when you're hearing a message you've heard before, but knowing it needs to be said at that point and not necessarily you know, still focusing on what they're trying to tell you. Oh, I love hearing it over and over. Really? Yeah, like, it's good to be reminded, and I know that not everyone else has heard it. Mm -hmm. So just making sure we're all on the same page all the time. It's totally fine to have the same conversation twice. just needs to get through to people. This this preseason was, was entertaining for me because we, I promise you the media does not get votes for who chooses the preseason rankings and everything <laughs> like that. There are two new coaches in the league, so... I don't know if they didn't know the history of the league and they just saw, like, Marquette's got their whole roster back and they were good or something, and then they saw you guys were losing Lydia and Marissa and mm -hmm. figured there's going to be a transition there. But there's banners hanging in your arena, as I alluded to earlier, that say you have not finished second in this league. You don't know what that's like, either of you. So to see Marquette 1 and you 2, how, how did you find out, first of all, I guess? I think I saw it on Instagram. Okay. Yeah, I saw it on social media, I think. <laughs> And then, second, what was your reaction to? You're going into your senior year. You figure there's just expectations through the roof, and then all of a sudden, you're being doubted, through, despite all that you've accomplished up to this point. I mean, you literally haven't. I think what have you lost three Big East matches your whole careers, right? Is I it three? It's more than that. I thought it was less than that. See, that's what it. But it feels like that, right? I think you've lost to Marquette on the road, Villanova at home. Last season, did we lose to? Right. Did we lose we lost to last one. year. Marquette on the Marquette on the road last year, and Villanova. Uh, Villanova on the road. And then there was one year that we had one loss, and then we went undefeated. Undefeated. Uh -huh. so, so you've three. lost so you've lost yeah. three matches in your Big East career, That's and you've cool. won the conference tournament title every time. So you haven't lost in that. So you've literally lost three times to Big East teams. Your entire. I really wanted to go undefeated. I never thought four about years. that. <laughs> well, you have to go back in time. <laughs> uh, what did you think? I mean, what did you think? I mean, you're essentially being told by people that you've competed against, because the coaches vote for that. So they've seen you, um, and they've seen what you've accomplished, and they're essentially saying, "Nah, we think Marquette's the team to beat this year." Uh, well, when I first saw it, I was surprised, of course, but. I mean, understanding that we did lose a lot of people, I get it. Yeah. And I understand that people are probably tired of us winning, so they want to see someone <laughs> else win. So it makes sense. But does it? Does I it? Does win. it? Does <laughs> it? I plan to win. <laughs> if they're tired of you winning, does it make sense to poke the bear though? Because that makes it. More <laughs> yeah, like, I don't think that's, it was the best thing. <laughs> that's that's like yeah. That wasn't the best thing. I would send all votes to Creighton and let them get all ha fat and happy, and then like sneak up on them. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, not. I, don't know the I think there's an art of war tactic there that they didn't execute properly. <laughs> yeah, maybe. What was your reaction to it? I mean, 
I mean, I didn't really like, I just was like, oh, weird. Like, it just was like odd to me. So it was, I mean, but I didn't really think anything of it. I was like, all right, we have a lot to do and a lot of games to get through before we even get to the Geek season. So yeah, at the end of the day, it's an opinion. And like, it's an opinion and we haven't even played a big match yet. So I don't know. It really makes zero difference to me. They, they, they didn't they didn't uh, release who who voted for what though so you won't get to find out who hmm. which one of the coaches d- doesn't think you're the number one team in the league but you got a chance to prove it finally because the matches started this weekend um, out in LA and it, you know it was kind of an interesting weekend just from watching um, my analysis you didn't play well the first match you won the second one I don't know how you were expected to play and you lost. And then the second, the third one, I thought was your best match of the weekend, and you lost. So like, the results were kind of all over the place, not necessarily mm-hmm. coinciding with how you played on the court. How did you guys see the whole the weekend as a whole, um, just evaluating the three performances? There's a lot of good pieces. Um, I mean, for me, it's like at the end of the week, and we went one and two, so yeah. it wasn't a good weekend. But yeah. um, we showed a lot of heart against USC, which was good to see. But I wish it would have gone our way. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the losses, obviously, and it's it doesn't look good. But I think at the end of the day, I mean, after a USC match, at least you're like, well, we played our best volleyball yeah. at the same time. So it's part of you is happy, but part of you is really disappointed because it's like, really, like we went one and two. So, I mean, there's progress being made, even though maybe it doesn't look like it. Mm-hmm. But it's early. What did you What did you guys think of the Kentucky match? I mean. I think I think the ser- I, if I, if I think about serving, I think it's one of the things that has gone upward since you know you guys got here. It's obviously something you really focused on, yeah. Because you saw what it takes to be an elite team. From you have to be really effective back there. Nine service errors in one set is a just an eye popping number. I mean, you guys didn't have matches with that many last year. To end up with twenty three and still be the number five team in the country, what did it take to to overcome? Um, you know, something that you guys have kind of hung your hat on, but it's been, it was, it wasn't, you didn't have it that day, you know, from, you just didn't have it that match, but you were still able to overcome it. How did you guys do that? I mean, it was ugly, but what I always say is it doesn't matter how we win as long as we win. And even on your worst day, you still have to find a way to win, even mm-hmm. if it's not the way you want to win. So somehow we figured it out, and I think that's just a testament to us being a good team and still being able to find a way to win. When you guys have, when you guys look at how you started out with, I mean, I think going back to your sophomore year, you lost a five setter to Kansas, lost a five setter to USC, lost a five setter to Wichita of all teams. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but like you know, the five setters seem to be like when you get to that point, there's just something that wasn't there. Then all of a sudden, at the end of that season, you won at KU, you beat Northern Iowa, you beat Michigan. Now here you beat Kentucky. Um, like it doesn't seem like five setters are. It seems like you guys have more ability to finish those off there's just more grit more toughness how did you when did you develop that and how did you notice it or when did you notice it I guess that it had turned a page and that you weren't necessarily running on, on fumes and five setters that even when you were facing elite teams you were still able to finish the job I know you only went I know you split one this weekend but I mean you finished yeah. against Kentucky mm-hmm. you could have finished I mean USC was close it went the extras like yeah, it doesn't seem like that's doesn't seem like that's something that's a wall anymore. It seems like five setters are kind of your thing that mm-hmm. when Creighton gets to so. one, it's almost like you expect them. It's almost like it's shocking when you don't win a five setters by point, I guess. Yeah. Did, you, did you notice? Do you, do you remember when it when it flipped in that regard? Yeah, I remember that year. I don't know what changed, but I think we've just gone for more heart and, like you said, just more grit and just being able to finish. And, I mean, we practiced it a lot after yeah. we lost, yeah. like, four in a row. <laughs> so... 
Yeah, and even looking at it, looking at this season compared to that season, you really can't even compare them because there's so many new people. Yeah. So this year really is just going to be completely different than any other year we've had. What's it like when you're grinding in extras like that? Not just a five-setter, but extras in a five. Like 22-20 is the longest yeah. match in um, school history. <laughs> Two days later, you're playing 18-16 to the number 10 team in the country. Now there's seven. Like, what is it? What does it feel like physically to just go point for point? There's, the, I think, the biggest lead in set five was was three, and you guys rallied to take the lead over that deficit. Like, it was a really close set, yeah. both with you and Kentucky. What is it like being in that physically and just trying to find enough energy to get the next point? It's fun. Really? It's fun to see how <laughs> is far it you fun? Can, it is fun. It is fun. I mean, you're kind of dying, but it's fun <laughs> at the same time. Like, you just, you get to see how far you can really push your body. Really? There's no other situation where you're going to keep going except for yeah. playing Division One volleyball. You kind of don't get to stop. I mean, when you're taking so. those, when you're taking those deep breaths from behind the line, when you're, when you're serving a ball that's, you know, when it's 15-15, you have to go back behind the line and, mm-hmm. and make sure you don't put one in the net because that gives them match point. Like, what goes through your, what do you tell yourself when you're taking those deep breaths, when the when you're clearly looking like you don't have anything left and then you have to find enough energy to put this thing not only over the net, but get them out of system, all the sorts of things that would lead to success. Yeah. Like, what do you tell yourself? I say over and over, this serve is going in, this serve is going in, this serve is going in. <laughs> really? And I serve it. Yes. It's all about the self-talk. Yeah. I believe. What are some of the tricks you use to get through it, to, to grind through, you know, because when you're playing, especially when yeah. you're playing a team that's physical, like, a team that you, you can't necessarily, that's not just trying to out-finesse you and dig everything, but they're actually like, you know, swinging a hard ball at you that you have to get low to dig, like all those sorts of things that, you know, that can physically wear on you through a, what, USC match was over three hours for, of non-stop yeah. action, essentially. I mean, more than anything, I just think about, like, this is what you prepared for, like, this is what you were, like, running sprints for in the spring exactly. for in the summer, like, I mean, you're just, you know, you're tired doing that, well, you're tired doing this, it's gonna be over soon and you can do it you know what I mean so it's like it's what you're prepared for and it's what you're here for it's not I mean you have no other moment really that's more important than that I think it's what you prepare for for from January until August mm-hmm. so I think you can see disappointment was in your eyes from going one and two that's obviously just when you talk about results and not talk about the play I guess um, what what's the hardest part about playing your best and not winning like you said against USC like having to kind of swallow that pill of, well, that was probably our best match of the weekend, but we didn't get the result. We probably, you know, that probably should follow your best match of the weekend, mm-hmm, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's a weird feeling because I don't want to feel good about the game, but yeah. I still do feel good about it because we played really well and there's a lot of good things we can take away from it. But I want to make sure that we still feel bad enough that we know we need to get better, that every day we need to be focused on figuring out where we can get those extra two points from to make sure that the score goes our way next time. So I guess, you know, going forward now, when, when, just looking at the season as a whole, being that it's your last one, and you look at, I guess, all the things you guys have checked off, um, I don't know if you remember these conversations at all from the past, but um, media day your freshman year, I talked to both of you, and just like, no one had ever said, um, Final Four or National Championship. Like, those words were just not said from a team that hadn't been to a Sweet 16. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so Megan was actually the one who said um, year by year, like, I want to cross off the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, the Final Four, and then, like, win a National Championship and all that. Like, I know that seems like a Jaylee quote, but that was actually Megan who said it. <laughs> um, I went back and looked, but um, 
when thinking about all the things you've crossed off now, because there's a banner hanging in the gym that says 316. Um, a year later, there's a banner in the gym that says Elite Eight. Um, you got four conference titles, four conference tournament titles, like or three, sorry. Um, what, when you come into a season like this, now it's almost like there's just only one thing left to do. You know what I mean? But then when you think about it, it's your last chance to do it. So how do you balance the hunger that you want to achieve it versus the pressure of having only one more chance to do it, I guess? I can tell by the look on your face you never thought about that before. I don't so. really think about it. I'm just If I just created a lot of pressure, like, wow, I apologize. That's a good question. I apologize I like, for creating I, pressure. Wait, like, there's pressure on this here? Yeah, oh sorry about God. that. No, I mean, it's the last one, but I'm just taking it day by day. And I don't know, it makes you just swing a little harder and yeah. <laughs> serve a little harder. Your arm falls off at the end of the year, it's okay. Yeah, it's yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, like you guys obviously have a very high goal this year because it's the one thing. It's just the one thing that's left. Honestly, like you've done everything else. I mean, it's it's hard to say, but <laughs> you guys have kind of made it that way. It's the only thing left to cross off that list that you guys created when you were freshmen. Um, do you? I mean, is there like tunnel vision at this point? Do you do you do you think about where's the final four this year? Columbus. Like, do you think about that that destination? Do you think about um, Columbus? Yeah. Is that where it's at? It's in Minnesota. Is it in Minnesota? Yeah. Okay, sorry. It was in Columbus last year? Or two? Oh. It was recently. I think maybe you guys were going to play Nebraska in Columbus. Okay. So clearly you know where it's at then, yeah, right? So okay, so, so yeah, I think about <laughs> that it. answers the question then. But, but like, do you, I mean, is it just like that one thing that's just, you know, constantly on your mind um, in terms of what you still want to accomplish in a Creighton uniform, I guess? Yeah, I definitely think about being in Minnesota at the end of the year, but I know that I have to take it day by day and um, get better every day and make my teammates better every day to get there. How much do you think about it, I guess? Mm, I mean, I don't think about it that much. I think at this point, this stage in the season, it's more about, like, how we are as a team and just making everyone individually better. So everyone, really? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, it's a goal, obviously, and it's there, and, like, we see it, and I, I think about it every once in a while, but it's not... I guess, when do you think about the goals that you guys set for yourselves is maybe a better way to say it, because... There's obviously the daily grind you have to get through to reach that point, but I mean, you know, a conference title is always a goal. Like a conference regular season or a, a tournament, conference tournament title is a goal. Hosting is a goal. Mm-hmm. And then when when do those things come into focus? I guess when they're almost there, like when it's time to clinch the title, when it's time to play the conference tournament, when it's when it's time to host the NCAA tournament. Like, is that when it comes into focus? And then it, you zone in on that, or like when you write them down, how do how do you how do you keep that as your main motivation? I guess. I guess, like, right now I focus on what I can control within our goals. So right now we can control if we're going to host by our ranking right now and if we're winning our um, non-conference game. Right. I'll focus on getting a conference championship when we start a conference game because then I know we need to just start winning, winning, winning every game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, we start focus on, focusing on getting to the Final Four. When does the appreciation come in for what you guys have accomplished? Let's, I mean, let's just say... Probably like 20 years from now. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, <laughs> it's probably a while where's the now. Where's the fun in that, though, if you don't get to... I mean, 20 years from now, are we even guaranteed 20 years? Like, when That's do you... That's true. You know what I mean? Like, when do you appreciate what you've already... Let's just say nothing goes right this year. It's just one of those seasons, like... In, it just, it's just, like, it's a nightmare, you know what I mean? And your season season ends, like... Like, nothing goes your way, you know what I mean? There's still three conference tournament titles, there's three conference regular season titles, there's still an Elite Eight, there's still a Space 16, there's still so many accomplishments. When do you appreciate all of that? Have you, have you found time to appreciate 
what you've already done instead of like, no, I want more. Like it always seems like, okay, well, they went to Elite Eight, let's see if they can get to the Final Four. Like, it seems like that's an outsider thing to, to focus on. When do you internally get to appreciate what's already been accomplished? Because like it or not, <laughs> here's my point. Whenever you are done here, the, the players that come in after you are always going to have the bar where you set it because mm-hmm. it's higher than when, it, when you got here. So when do you appreciate, when do you appreciate, when do you find time to appreciate that, um, you know, obviously there will be the Hall of Fame moments when you guys get to come back and, you know, retire your uniforms and get to, you know, oh, bring, bring your kids, bring your thing. kids to all that and all that stuff, like that'll, that'll be a moment, but I mean, there has to be something in, in the meantime, right, where you find time to, you know, be proud of what you guys have done, right? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think it's pretty cool what, we, what we've been able to do here, and I'm proud of it. But I think being a competitor, we're like, okay, but what can we do next? How are we going to be better? And I think that's just a character thing. That's who we are. We're like, we're always striving for more and more and more. So, yeah. It's a curse though, right? Because you're yeah. always... Yeah, for sure. A little bit. I mean, I think at the end of a season, I think I can sit back and say, <coughs> okay, appreciate the season for what it was and the team mm-hmm. for everyone that we had on it. Because, I mean, every year, like we've said, it's different. I mean, every single year, it's kind of like, all right, we have different personnel. It's a different, like, dynamic, different, you know, just mm-hmm. personalities to all meld together. So, I mean, maybe, like, at the end of the season, you can say, all right, we're disappointed with how we ended, but and we want more, but at the same time, I mean, I appreciated getting to know everyone on that individual team each year. When uh, JLU obviously announced when you won Female Athlete of the Year, by the way, congratulations, belated, um, that you were going to play overseas professionally. Um, and a lot of people in your position, I guess, have the, de- have the decision because if you go play beach volleyball, you have two semesters to do it. You have you know, essentially two years of college volleyball left. Um, how did you weigh the decision to, you know, two years of college volleyball in a different setting, I guess? You know, beach is different than indoor, but versus going to play professionally? Um, at the end of the day, I thought about how I would feel if I went to play beach and got injured and could never play again. And if I never got the chance to be able to play professionally, then I would really be crushed. So um, the sooner, the better. So I'm just gonna do that now and I can always go back to school later. Really? Mm-hmm. Did you, I mean, how did you reach that choice? Like, did, did, did you have conversation with your family? Um, yeah, I talked to my family. Um, I talked to some good friends I have, some mentors. And I mean, I went on some visits for beach volleyball and none of them really felt right. Really? So, you know, none of them felt the way that Creighton feels. Really? So, so, <laughs> so it's either Creighton opens a beach it. program <laughs> or I have to go play professionally. Yeah, yeah essentially. Um, what, what excites you about that, the potential to, you know, be overseas on your own um, I know you've had like, you know, little bits of it playing mm-hmm. in the summer and stuff like that, but what excites you about, um, I don't know, a new world of sorts, I guess, you know, trying to learn new cultures and be a professional athlete and all the things that go with that. I guess I'm excited to learn more about myself and just figure out how I'm going to react in that type of situation where I don't know anyone overseas and I just have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm excited for hopefully it making me a better person. So no matter where you guys go from here, um, you'll always have like the long-time relationship you guys have had, but playing um, sports together, you've obviously accomplished a lot. Just in that setting alone in the sports world, what has been the best part about getting to 
have all these experiences together, um, whether it's what you guys have done at Creighton or what you guys did as teammates in high school, and I guess just what's the moment that sticks out to you that I feel, that you feel like you'll cherish for um, you know the years to come when it's all over. I probably should have briefed you on that. Yeah, you guys I don't know. Think about the answer. <laughs> <laughs> just the fun moments really? off the court just laughing and having a good time and being with your friends every single day I mean literally you get to come into college and you have like 14 friends already and it's awesome and you just get to hang out all the time and I've never thought about it like that before yeah I thought like yeah. think yeah. about it the freshmen Instant come friends. in yeah. you don't know anyone and you're scared and now it's like you have plans every week it makes the world smaller great. when you feel like it's going to be larger than life I guess yeah, yeah. so it's mm-hmm. nice and it's really comfortable and I like that a lot what about you yeah, I think just, I mean, getting close to that bigger group, I guess, of people, it's it's fun. Just instant friends is fun, and getting to go to practice and hang out with your friends. I mean, whenever you want, I think it's just, is a fun part about it. Yeah, and I feel like we're never going to be a part of a group in life like this where you're all going to care about something together so much yeah, and just be able to do true. something together that's bigger than yourself. So it's pretty cool. All right, so... I have a little theme here to finish this up. I do have two Ankeny questions. I didn't, I, there's just, there's only so much I can research on Ankeny because, um, you know, it's a small town after all, but uh, I have a little Jaylee versus Megan uh, kind of little game here. So who is the better in-match trash talker? Jaylee. Yeah, but we're both bad at it. We don't. don't You're both bad at it? Me, I guess. Neither of us us trash talk. You're better by default. Yeah, I'm better by default. Probably. Uh, who's the better basketball player? Me, Bailey. Who's the better cook? Megan. Mm-hmm. More likely to get into coaching. Megan. Because you did coach a little bit. I oh, yeah. I never coached. I don't want to. <laughs> That's enough stress being an athlete. Yeah. Better taste in movies. I don't do scary. I don't either. Uh, I like chick flicks. <laughs> really like we both like rock <laughs> So, yeah, they both have similar tastes in yeah, movies. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Favorite volleyball experience together? Probably beating Kansas that one time. Mine's beating Kansas <laughs> also. Down in Lawrence, Yeah, in five. Yeah, that's definitely mine too. Right. Play. Um, <laughs> okay, so two Ankeny questions here. The first one is um, because you're student athletes. We're gonna have a, oh a, a books question and then a All sports right. question. First one on Ankeny. The national average uh, composite ACT score in 2017 was 21.0. Was Ankeny School dis- District average higher or lower than higher? Us? Higher, for sure. Very good. It was, it was 23 and a half. Yeah. Wow. You guys are all smart good kids. School. Yeah. Okay, so you both played at Ankeny High um, briefly, but you both played there. Who holds the single season record for kills at Ankeny High in volleyball? My sister. Dang it, I Is didn't it? think you were going to get it. I thought you guys were going to fight over them. No, 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 it's my sister. Neither one of you. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, Alyssa does hold the record. Both of you are just under 600. She's at 604. So, wow. it, it is a Ballinger. Ballinger yeah. show. That's a lot, right? Okay, so thanks a lot for the time. Um, I can tell I'm being wrapped up here because you guys have lives and stuff like that. So, uh, but thanks for sitting down. It's always fun to talk to you guys. Um, probably the last time, unfortunately. Uh, Megan might have one more yeah, podcast. Yeah, next year. Yeah, yeah. Be she'll have to, she'll have to right, just. All the things you wanted to say when Jaylee wasn't on one of those podcasts. But thanks a lot. Good luck this season. Thank you so much. All right, Matt. Thanks for sitting down with those two. As always, four years running. That's a great piece. And, um, you know, I think it's an exciting time. 
obviously for anybody that follows that program, um, I know we talked about it a little bit already, but the Huskers are on the schedule this year down at the Central yeah. Link Center or CHI Health Center. Sorry, I'm gonna have to set up a, I'm gonna have to set up a oh, curse man. jar. Uh, that's the first time I've had to drop that name in the podcast. I'm going to struggle with that, too. Yeah, we're going to have a problem with that. So the health you center. Have really, you have to really watch my pieces that I write and make sure you edit them. <laughs> I'm going to be saying clink and CenturyLink. It'll be like a word search. It'll be fine. Yeah, um, exactly. yeah so Thursday, so a week from now. Um, it's actually my birthday. Their, home, their, home, their first home match of the year. So Creighton, Nebraska, September 6th. Like, happy I'm, birthday. We have to get them to put you on the Jumbotron. We should not do that. Instead I think we, we should. We I'll, should say we did, and like I'm sure. I'm sure Kirsten Bernthal Booth is not busy right now, and I can talk to her. I'll shoot her an email, and see if she can make that happen. How? What do you think? Think she's got time? <laughs> I, I hope not, got, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be on the jumbotron. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday to Matt Weekerly. So yeah, so that's a big match, and obviously uh, defending national champions. Um, yep. Constant duckers, selective ducking of the Blue Jays. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Have you seen? Have, have you seen Nebraska's real quick? Have you seen Nebraska volleyball schedule this year at all? Not no. conference. No. Oh, okay. Well, let me just clue you in on what. Please do. The national, the national champs decided to challenge themselves with this what year. What they got? Um, they have one road match. Guess what it is? Ooh, Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska against Creighton. Yeah, that is their one game. That is their one match away from Devaney in the non-conference portion of the season. So they will not. I don't think they actually actually have a road match out of the state of Nebraska until September 28th. So they, so they're like they're like the Syracuse of yep college volleyball. Yeah, and it's not like they dragged a bunch of elite teams kicking and screaming into the vanny either. They had the first weekend where they played uh, where they played Florida and Oregon and lost to Florida. Mm-hmm. Then they play, I think. New Mexico, Central Michigan, Missouri State. Uh, Ooh, the this Bears. Weekend they have Ohio and Wake Forest. It's like it's a very un-Nebraska-like schedule. Um, but the Big Ten is, you know, a grind. Yeah, they have NCAA tournament teams growing out their ears in that league. So I understand it, but still, I looked at that schedule and thought maybe John Cook and Coach K this summer got together and decided. Yeah. Because that's because yeah. Here's how I you mean, schedule when you're the shit, pretty much. I mean, Husker play fans play home matches and make them come to you type of deal. So. Right. I mean, Husker fans would probably bristle at the Syracuse comparison and more closely align them in their volleyball program with the Duke comparison. And I totally get that. I mean, national championships mean something. So I hear you, but uh, mm-hmm. that'll be interesting because there's a yeah. I'm looking at this. There's a lot of Devaney Center on this. Uh, it is, man. It's crazy. Map. September 28th is the first time they go out of state. It's like, what? There you go. That's a long time. That is a long time. Evanston, Illinois, too. Okay. Um, so, yeah, thanks for that. Let's talk about a sport where we routinely destroy Nebraska. Uh, that's a really good segue. Men's basketball. Who knows what will happen this year. But uh, Yeah, I would say you might regret saying that, actually, which you just this year, but <laughs> <laughs> History yeah. is history for a reason. So exactly. Knows? Let's talk about Coach Mack and his Blue Jays. Um, people showing up on campus, people getting healthy, people not getting healthy, people practicing, doing some skill stuff. Kind of what's the lay of the land down at the Championship Center um, after what was a pretty exciting weekend with uh, Kyle Corver and Coach Altman being back in town for the induction into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's been like a story time weekend on campus. Really, every time everybody I run into, I mean. And it's just like they've just got stories out the 
not the wazoo, like Ed St. Floor was around. I had yeah, the I bridge between know, right? between RJ and, and DA, man, the bridge. It's crazy, right? So Gordy's been telling a bunch of stories, like talking my ear off. Uh, I'm fairly certain that's what Gordy gets paid to do these days. Is that accurate? Oh, I, I, I love it, though, man. I, I, <laughs> I know. Like, those are my favorite parts of the whole deal. Heck yeah. Um, but, yeah, Ryan Sears, who was, like, my first ever favorite player as a kid, you know what I mean? Like, you have so many, but he was, like, the first one that I ever just gravitated towards just his style of play and his toughness. And, um, you know, he was back, took charge in the alumni game, which didn't shock me at all. Uh, amazing. Yeah, that's uh, that's Ankeny Bulldog right there in prime form. Um, so that was pretty cool. But yeah, uh, great. Uh, you know, in terms of the team that's currently eligible, um, yeah, they're kind of getting back together. Really, I know people were really wondering what's going on with the injuries and stuff that they all some of them had to deal with in the off season. Um, and it was just one of those things where it's like it, they're none of them were really serious injuries to the point where they threatened. Um, the start of the regular season upcoming with the exception of Martin's ACL that everybody knows about. So it was just like, it wasn't worth, you know, airing out publicly telling everybody what's wrong with the Knicks and Max and things like that while, you know, they're going through summer workouts and like Marcus Zagorowski just resting pretty much. So they're kind of all getting back together. Mitch Ballack is, is, uh, you know, kind of giving it a go. He's back um, doing workouts uh, they had a conditioning drill at, at the end of practice today, and he was at the front of that line every single time. So, you know, he's back to normal. Um, he actually had a shooting workout with Doug McDermott today. So, um, yeah, he got a lot of work in hmm. before and after practice. So he's he's primed for, a, a you know, a big sophomore season, shooting the daylight out of the ball right now and getting healthy. Um, Christian Bishop looks good. Uh, knee looks good, everything like that. He had a couple weeks. Um, I think he missed a month maybe, but – uh, he looks pretty skilled and the knee looks pretty good. So he's back to, back to working out and going at it. Um, and Martin Crample got cleared for non-contact stuff. So that's another big step for him. And he went through the entire workout today, uh, non-contact stuff. They all did non-contact stuff. So he didn't miss any of the skill stuff and, Actually, it looked pretty bouncy, honestly. Like, if I were to just walk in that gym not knowing what anything about what transpired last year, I would assume nothing about his injury history. Because, um, you know, he looked really bouncy. He had a nice, nice jump step, one headed dunk, like, got up quick, threw it down hard, like, all those sorts of things. Like, uh, he looks like he's getting back to prime form, um, which is just. It doesn't surprise me because he's really a uniquely tough kid. I mean, I, I say I could walk into the gym now and not know that he tore his ACL. I could have done that uh, the day after he tore his ACL. I mean, he was <laughs> shooting fadeaways and, you know, he, he wasn't like running, but I mean, you could still couldn't tell that he was dealing with a torn knee, you know? So he's just a different type of guy. Like I asked him what, what, what it is about him. He's just like, I don't know, man. I just have a, it's just about his pain threshold. It's just not. It's not. It's not normal. You know what I mean? He one time I think he said he broke his. Uh, he broke his arm when he was a kid, and he didn't actually address it for a couple weeks. And a broken arm as a kid, and the reason that his mom even like got alarmed and took him to get it checked out was because he said his arm hurt, just like it hurt. You know. And he never says anything hurts. So 
to her that was like a giant alarm like oh my god why is he in pain he's never in pain like and they, it turns out he has a broken arm so he just said his arm was you know discomfort there was like discomfort and pain or whatever and he was like i don't know why and so she's like oh my god so that's just kind of like an insight into how tough he is like he just has a different pain threshold than others so he looks if you walked in the gym now you would not know um but he's still on the men you know he's not doing contact stuff yet i'd say he's about at 80 percent um in his recovery so uh i think september 1st is seven months out from surgery is what i was told so he's he's almost there um i expect him to be ready for the season uh i think he expects to be too so right now he's just kind of getting his getting his conditioning back on um on track and um, kind of knocking all that extra weight off uh, that you pick up when, you know, you're not playing basketball. So that's the next step for him. But he, he looks fully healed and ready to go. So um, that was a that was an update for today. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's probably reading too much into the tea leaves or whatever, but I think, you know, somebody from the athletic department was posting some of the, the video shoot stuff, the, the B-roll stuff that uh, those guys were um, – recording you know with the new jerseys and getting up and down in the in the championship uh in the in the practice facility and dunking and stuff and i'm just like martin go put a knee brace on man like i can't be yeah. out here why i don't want to see something blow up here oh, no, <laughs> coming he down from a dunk or whatever but i couldn't believe it he just looked yeah he's just out there getting it and done. he hates and he hates knee braces too so he's not gonna wear one like he okay hates he doesn't like it either. it feels it feels weird to him um, so yeah, he's just the guy that walks off ACLs on his own. And, yeah, buddy. Um, doesn't talk about pain and doesn't wear braces and all that stuff. He just kind of like waits for the doctor to say, go ahead. And then that's pretty much, that's pretty much all he's waiting for at this point. Cause he, he'll do whatever Yeah, you feel, you know, it, it's all about the doctor's go ahead to start banging it around. So that's all he's waiting for. All right, man. That's good. All right. Any last, uh, parting wisdom before we call it a night and get these uh, Blue Jay fans uh, back to pretending to do work on a Thursday or a Friday before Labor Day weekend? You know, I think I just emptied the tank on wisdom, so hopefully... <laughs> wisdom tank is empty. Yeah, it is. Hopefully hopefully it was useful. We'll see. Alright, well, we got uh, we got a nice little rundown of events. Again, um, all these programs are on the road this weekend. Um, volleyball down in in Dallas, Texas, at an event that the uh, Southern Methodist Mustangs are they the Mustangs? Yeah, yeah. the Mustangs. Yeah, that they're hosting. Um, women's soccer's away for a couple matches. Men's soccer away for a couple matches as well. So, everybody get caught up on your sleep, on your rest. Save on the uh, odometer uh, by not driving down to Morrison or Sokol this weekend because we're going to need you out here next weekend. It's Oktoberfest and a whole lot of good stuff. Volleyball hosting um, Iowa State and Wichita State as well. So a lot going on in the um, in the in the home matches this next week. So should be a pretty interesting recap next week, Matt. That we're going to be able to do after all these teams come back from the road. Yep, we'll have a lot of firsthand analysis for sure. All right. Well, for Matt DeMarinis, I am Bryant Ott. We once again want to thank Scriptown Brewery for being our title sponsor for the podcast this year. Thank you, Script Town. Cheers to you. And cheers to you, Jays fans, for tuning in for another episode of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. Have a great night, and go Jays.